Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we talk to interesting guests who will challenge your thinking and create impact in the world. Yeah, it's not often enough that we're thinking about thinking. I was really amazed by Russell Dalglish, the person we talked to today. I mean, obviously his resume speaks for him. He's he's the chair of the Scottish Business Network, just an amazing individual. But more than that, well, I got to just say, I, I, I was mesmerized by his voice. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And look, look for the Scottish Brogue. It is one of the most amazing accents in the world. I love it. I'm sure you will love it. And you'll love what he has to say. So here's the interview. And we're live. So Russell, it's great to have a chance to have a talk with you. Welcome to our podcast. And why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you very much. It's, it's great to be here. I'm dialing in from Scotland. I'm based just outside Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. My career has been very much spent in international business, originally in electronics and then in software. And then the last 10 years, I've focused on non-salaried jobs, where I've kind of worked on building and exiting companies. Uh, Today, I focus a lot of my attention on bringing social benefit to Scotland. So I created Scottish Business Network, which is Scotland's national diaspora organization linking together Scots in 74 countries around the world who have put their hand up to say that they would like to help Scotland develop. And But my, my real interest is this bringing the world together internationally through business. So that's what I focus on. Oh, nice. So you build and grow companies, you find exits. There's a whole movement here in the US for people to buy buy companies and basically flip them the way you would flip a house. Is that a big thing there in in Europe? Not so much now, no. We'll we'll still see roll-ups, but the kind of sector I work on is much more about long-term value creation within the companies Mm -hmm. because that brings much more social benefit. There's not, I think I I struggle to see the social benefit in buying and flipping companies. Um, Well, there's probably not. There's financial benefit. So, uh, Del Gleish. Very Scottish yeah. name. Does it have a, a meaning? Uh, I don't believe so. It comes from about 40 miles south of Edinburgh, mm-hmm. Scotland's capital city, and my family can trace itself back 600 years from then. So we've kind of always been based there. And the name wow. Dalgleish comes from a, um, a natural water feature, and everyone carrying the name around the world all kind of heals back to that same place. It's crazy, 600 years. I'm I'm Australian. I think I can trace my family back about a hundred years. So it's uh, it's a totally different thought. So I was in Edinburgh back in spent some time there back in the must have been the eighties. I'm sure it's changed a lot since then. How's the economy going, particularly after COVID? Um, I, I think we're still in the position that we're not sure. Uh, the UK economy's forecast to grow at seven and a half percent on last year, which would be the the fastest rate of growth since the Second World War, if not ever. Wow. 
Yeah. Obviously, it's a bit of a peak figure because we're going from a, a, a very troublesome 2020. I think overall, we're feeling quite confident. I think there's been a, a huge change in our society that won't really... So um, we're expecting... The, the Scottish economy is quite diverse. So we're 5 million people in a nation as part of the UK. So mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we cover finance as well as bioscience, as well as travel, tourism, oil and gas, a nascent uh, space industry as well. You know, Scotland's very well positioned for putting up um, small form factor satellites. So we mm -hmm. have all the assets there, but a real benefit to the world is our talent. So we have 18 universities, they're very high, well, very good and highly educated workforce. And what we've seen happen over the last 12 months is you can really work from anywhere. So what we hope we'll see is that um, a lot more companies will start working with talent in Scotland with the talent remaining here. Because you can have a wonderful standard of living here, but then work around the world just as I do. Right. So your your company, Exalta, is that your company or are you uh, your managing partner of it, right? Exalta? Yes, uh, we created Exalta about nine years ago. So that's an uh, advisory business. We work with fast growth companies and help them to accelerate through that really difficult period where every day you're coming to work running the biggest company you've ever run. So we do this primarily across the UK and the US. I've run a number of companies um, in the US as well as in the UK. So I've spent much of my career in California, but also in Houston. And um, we did an exit to a company in Detroit quite a lot of time in New York. So we take advantage of that. But what we're seeing is companies are now identifying enormous new markets that weren't open to them before, particularly for services and technology. And these are international markets. You know, if you look at some of the fast-growing markets in the world, the, the Philippines, Malaysia, you look at fintech in Brazil, you know, these are all new opportunities for us appearing in different areas. And since the kind of the established technique of having to fly to those markets, we've kind of got over that now. So now we can do it all using technologies such as Zoom or Teams, etc. And we're seeing deals closed between people who've never actually met in the physical world. So 2020 has, from what I've seen, 2020 has accelerated that whole process yeah. because people literally couldn't meet or were uncomfortable meeting. The capabilities of technology just grew very, very quickly to, to take the place of face-to-face -face meetings. One of the things that we do here at uh, Thought Leader Group is we look at the relationship between the executive team's reputation capital and their, the valuation of the business or the exit value. Have you seen a move towards companies being aware of the need for their ex executive team to, to lift their image, to lift their authority platforms? Yeah, I think we've seen that over the last two or three years. I think that seeing platforms such as LinkedIn almost become a, a, a default marketing channel. I think that's mm -hmm. that's probably driven it more than anything else. You know, the old days about building up a building up a director by getting them articles in the newspapers have kind of gone, whereby instead working with the executives to help them to develop their own presence and then whatever support they require about that is really good. 
One thing we've seen yeah. that's almost stopped now is people managing executives' uh, digital profile on behalf of them. So there was, a, there was a thing for a couple of years whereby, you know, the executive would employ someone to manage their social media. And we're seeing that coming to an end because of, well, a number of reasons, but the biggest one being the lack of authenticity. Yeah. So I'm amazed now that I can reach out to contact chief execs of billion-dollar companies through LinkedIn, and they'll come back to me immediately. But the reason they, they do that is because they recognize the fact that I'm probably wanting to talk to them about something sensible. So they do that based on my reputation and my digital value. Correct, yeah. So it's, it's quite interesting because I was looking at a company just the other day who, very successful, and none of the executives have any presence whatsoever. And it's interesting because they have a, a branding marketing company who brands the company and brands their product, does a really, really good job on that, which is why they're successful. But the executive team, you really cannot find anywhere. And that disturbs me a lot because there's missed opportunity there. Potentially. It, I suppose it depends what the plans are. So if you think about the majority of businesses in the world are family businesses. So if you're running a family business, you're not going to be selling that company to external people. The company's going to go on to um, people in the family. Theoretically, so yes. there's then much less of a need to do that. So it depends which which sector and what the what the actual strategy is for the company. I find it, it helps, and I find it's hearing that voice. But also, you, you run a risk if you're a company. You know, so if you look at serial executives who perhaps spent two years with this company and two years with that company and two years with the next company, then you've got to manage that the, the value that they created for their personal brand for the two years they were with you. When they leave, do they take that with you? Or does that value remain with the company? Well, that's one of the other reasons we work with executives is so that they can, in fact, brand themselves and take their own uh, reputation with them when they move on. Otherwise, they go, they have to, the executives themselves have to start from scratch each time. And their, their new company, their new opportunity that they join can take advantage of the existing reputation that they have from day one. Um, I know there's a movement through board opportunities and board seats here in the US that companies looking for a new board member are now looking at how many followers they have on social media. So <laughs> can they tap into that now? It's very, very interesting. So there's been a, a definite change. I must admit, I've not heard of that in the UK, but I've, I've heard about, um, you know, looking at someone's effectiveness. So does the fact that I have say, a large following on LinkedIn, does that translate into an actual business benefit? Now, it does in my case because I, I've created that, that not so much into a following but more into a community. Correct. So there's active interaction. There's common interest. That's then subdivided into the sectors of interest I work with. So, for example, um, I have this interest in Scotland as a geography but also an interest in IoT and fintech. Mm -hmm. So these are then subdivided into these different areas. What, what's become really interesting is when you run a, um, a portfolio career like I have, and I do a number of different things, mm -hmm. that makes the brand positioning very difficult. And I've developed a number of techniques whereby I can position myself so that I can still remain a domain expert on a particular subject, but can be seen almost as something higher than that. So I've got a broad coverage as well. 
Very interesting. Now, one of the things I saw you say is that people need to stop selling and start asking for help. Yeah. Can you um, expand on that just a little bit? So I've done a lot of research over the years about what holds back smaller companies when it comes to growth. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems is this, the aspect of sales, which has become very, I think, very misconceived in our world, particularly in the West. So when I've dealt in the world of sales, it's about building relationships. So if I was to write an email to you, Randy, and say, hi, Randy, I make websites. I'd like to sell you a website. Mm -hmm. You're unlikely to want to engage in a conversation with me unless I hit you at that specific moment in time when you're wanting to develop a website. Mm -hmm. But even at that, you're going to think it's a strange, cold approach. However, if I was to approach you and say, Randy, I've, I've been so impressed by your podcasts. You're obviously someone who really understands the industry. Could I get some of your advice on how I can work with people to improve their digital presence? You're more likely to say, that's interesting. I, I might engage in a conversation. And then for the conversation then goes forward and then we, we have the conversation. And I find out during that conversation what you actually are looking to achieve, not what you want to buy. And then I see if I can help you to achieve that. Yeah. So I, I've developed a training program round about helping people people do that. And it's it's more important than ever today because we've now come to the end of what we've seen for the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, where we've had a particular type of individual involved in sales. Mm-hmm. Now, it's an individual who goes out and does a lot of face-to-face meetings. They have um, astute um, interpersonal skills. They're very driven and very accurate on closing deals. Well, we've just done a year when no one's having face-to-face meetings. And I can tell you now, if you were to phone up Conical Phillips and say you wanted to come and visit their plant, they would say, eh, no, <laughs> we'll right. quite happily do it soon because there's that, that risk of transmission. Yeah. So um, there's a real need to redevelop those skills round about how do, you, how do you build networks during an age when you can't meet people? So my network has trebled in the last 14 months. I have discovered that I am better at networking online than I am in person. And I've developed an approach and a tactic around about doing that. Now, what we're now trying to do is trying to train other people on how to go on that, that transition. Because at the end of the day, it's whether or not it creates the business result. And mm-hmm. you talked about you know, you know that value of an executive. And it's all about that. Does this person make a difference? Mm-hmm. Are they able to help? So there's a whole technique around about um, establishing and developing those, those connections. But it starts with, stop trying to sell me something and yeah. instead try to understand how I might be able to help you. Yeah. There's also a piece around about the psychological piece about um, how we view different groups. So if someone was to contact me and go, hi, Russell, I saw you on Randy, I've listened to you on Randy's podcast. I recognized your accent. I'm Scottish as well. And I'm in Texas. I've got this fantastic biosciences company and we're looking to grow into Europe. I'd love to have a conversation with me to see if you could help me. So I'm immediately tied into someone because they're approaching me with identification levers, right. which are so important. Which is something that happens to me all the time um, because being Australian, uh, people say, oh, yeah, I'm Australian in Austin I, you know, and I have this problem. Maybe you can help. It's really very interesting and I 
being a, a business geek, I like to watch and tr find trends and try to see in front of where the trend is going. And definitely I'm seeing a trend away from this concept of B2B because businesses are no longer buying from businesses. It's people buying from people. It always has been. Now it's more obvious. Um, there was a Harris poll recently where, uh, as I think I said before, 55% of people have changed their purchase decision. 55% of people surveyed changed their purchase decision based on the perception of the CEO of the manufacturer. Well, that's phenomenal. I think five years ago that wouldn't have been the case. So what people think, how people are authentic, how people actually interact is now driving commerce. Oh. It's amazing. You, you hit one of my favourite words, which is authenticity. And I, I think there's a natural character. There's, there's some characteristics of Scots that aren't positive, but, but one of them, one of them is positive. is very much around about authenticity. A certain amount comes from historical dimensions about Scottish people, and then how that's related to the accent. But it's interesting. I did a LinkedIn post yesterday that went viral, which was it was the 15th anniversary of when I took my family on a dream holiday, and I was talking about the necessity to continue seeking our dreams out there and not cowled down because of COVID. We still need to get out there and do things. And I've had some fantastic discussions off the back of that. Mm. And it was natural for me to share something. It is a personal experience, but it was about the authentic effect that that had on me going through that experience. So I think there's a real need for executives to do that. I think you're right. Cool. So um, Kent's just joined us. Kent. So I have to say, uh, coming in on this Part of the discussion, Russell. Um, I have to say, I, I I love your voice. I could I could tune into it. So uh, it's got a the calm and the comfort of you know a lot of years of I guess whoever developed your your Scottish uh, brogue way back when they've they've shaped it until it's it's just so fun to listen. Oh, to. It's so lovely to hear that. The Americans have done the opposite. We've we've messed everything up. So. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about when you were three, four, or five years old. What was, how would your mother or father have talked about you? What was your strangeness, your uniqueness, your craziness? That's, that's a, a really interesting question. So I have no memory of being that age. Uh, the reason I have no memory is because you know, my, my, my parents had, I fell out when they were married and they went on to get divorced. And I believe that because it was a, a an unhappy or a happy experience at that time. I have no memory of um, early childhood at all. Um, I think when I look at the the child, the, the transformational moment for me didn't happen at then. It happened at 16. So I was brought up in a small uh, town where my family had been for 400 years. And I was in the process of failing all my exams and didn't really want to do anything. But I suddenly realized that I could get out of that town there's two methods to get out of the town. Number one, join the army. Number two, go to a place called a college. And to go to that college, I had to get these things called exams. So I had to very quickly develop a technique in order to pass these things called exams. And that was the transformational moment for me. So I think a lot of things that we do in life are sometimes not necessarily driven by positives, but they could be driven by negatives, i.e. I wanted to move my life to somewhere else. Wow. Yeah, that's that's an amazing 
uh, story. And if I were to talk to um, one of your, if I were to go back in time and talk to one of your teachers as you were making that transformation, how would they describe Russell, little Russell? Um, I I don't really have, because I have so little memory of childhood, I, I don't really think, I, I, I suppose you wouldn't really have been noticed, I suppose. And as you were making that transformation at 16, 17, 18, how would any of your mentors have said you were different or unique? I suppose that they would have seen an individual who became engaged, who wasn't engaged before. And that engagement came about because the individual, Russell, had found a purpose. Mm. So there was a ticket. But to get that ticket, I had to do these things called exams. I've never been able to collate learning with exams. No, learning is something we naturally do. The exam seems to be a painful, stressful experience, which isn't really related to the learning process. So um, I just developed these techniques to pass exams. And, and I've, I've always, if I look at my entire experience in education, I did 1% more than the minimum. So I, did, I, I qualified with a degree by getting 1% more than um, what was required. So that's really interesting. So for the folks who started out 1% uh, above the minimum, how do they get to where you are? And I know we have to wrap up. What is So maybe this is kind of your final statement to the audience. What can they do? So the, my journey involved an expedition into self-discovery. So my life changed once I worked out who I was and what I actually was here to do. So I discovered I'm not good at managing large numbers of people, even though I would end up as chief execs of companies. That's not my natural skill. My natural skill is an enthusiast, someone who can bring people together, someone who can drive change, someone who's very, I suppose, very visionary. So once I understood who I really was, and I understood that I like being the center of attention and I like international travel, I then moved my career into those types of roles, and then I, I really excelled, I suppose, to where I am today. Very good. So I think we have to wrap up. Um, Russell, one last thing. Uh, how can people find you, and who would you like to find you? Um, well, I can be found on LinkedIn's easiest place to find me, and I have no restrictions on helping anyone. My role at my time of life now is, is to be there to help, so that's what I do. Love that. Oh. Thank you for your time. We ran a little bit over. I hope you don't mind, but uh, I was having too much fun. And then Kent came in with some very interesting questions. So I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Russell. We'll be in touch and let your your people know when they can hear it. Thank you very much, Sue. Take care. Have a good evening. Okay. Thanks, Russell. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Kent. Bye for now. So thank you, Russell. We really appreciated having you on the show today. And the Scottish Brogue was, as expected, extraordinarily interesting. So thank you for being you. Business and thought partnership and thought leadership are all intertwined. And see how successful you have been combining all those things was a true delight. And um, yeah, I have to say, this is my new um, mindfulness tape, actually, Russell. So I'm, I'm going to go back and listen to this uh, when I'm trying to relax during the day. <laughs> All kidding aside, really a pleasure to talk to you. If folks want to know more about what we do, kind of at a high level, please visit us at thoughtpartnergroup.com. And we've got an assessment top of the page. And we love to hear from you. <laughs>
Now, we also have uh, multiple podcasts that we're doing. We have this uh, Thought Leader podcast. We have a, a Reputation Capital podcast. We have a Business Design podcast. And we would love for you to go and subscribe to all three. All three have different guests. All three have different points of being. All three have different ways of thinking. Yeah, find out about us. Get on to subscribing to our podcasts and spend some time with us. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So have a good day, have a good life, and uh, we'll see you on one of those podcasts.